the great part about real estate here, here's what I love about rental properties is like when I'm gone, like the rent still gets paid. I've got, you know, you got systems that you put in place yep. so that when you travel or when you want to spend time with your family, like the rent still gets paid, which is awesome. Have you been looking for a place to network with other creative real estate investors and to learn from different creative real estate professionals? Well then, the Creative Real Estate Lunch Club is the place to be. They meet every single Tuesday in Boulder, every single Wednesday near Fort Collins, and every single Thursday in Denver. This goes from noon to two. We'll leave the links down into today's show notes. So if this is your true passion, I'll see you there. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, <laughs> Adam Adams with Manny Perez today. Hey, nice to see you guys. And uh, I welcome Brandon Turner. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Yeah, well, uh, my name is Brandon Turner. And... Uh... That's me. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a real, yeah, a real estate investor. Uh, I talk, uh, I buy a lot of real estate, uh, mostly multifamilies, but I do a little bit of, uh, I bought a mobile home park recently. I own single family houses, do a little bit of flipping. Uh, and then I talk about real estate a whole lot. I write books and podcasts and blog and all that. This is sounding like it's going to be an incredible interview. So let's start off, Brandon. Like, where did you even get involved in real estate? I don't know if everybody knows that story. Sure. Uh, so I actually started, uh, interesting story begins with church. All right. So I'm sitting in church back, like in college, or like right after college, I just bought a house. Uh, I'm at my parents, I'm like visiting my parents and I'm at like this church, my parents like down in Minneapolis or whatever. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and my mind's just wandering because I'm a horrible person. And so I'm like not listening to paying attention at all. And my mind's wandering to Europe and I'm like, how do I go to Europe? how can I go and live in Europe and backpack for like a year? I, I don't know where that came from. I just was sitting there thinking. And, and, uh, and the more I thought about it, the more I kept asking myself, well, how would I do it? And I was like, well, I just bought a house. Like I just bought a house to live in, like just a cheap little dumpy house that I bought uh, out in Western Washington where I live. And uh, I was like, well, I could sell my house. I bet I'd make, I was like, I wonder what my house is worth. So I did the math in my head and sitting there again, just sitting there in church being horrible. And then I'm like, I, I, I could probably make like 20 grand. I could live for a year in Europe on 20 grand backpack in Europe. And, so I was like, all right, I'm going to sell my house. And uh, so I did. I actually went, went, went back home after vacation or whatever it was, or I think it was Christmas break or something. Went back home, I decided to sell my house and ended up selling it, made 20 grand. But, however, I did not go to Europe. Instead, I bought a, a kind of a dream wedding for my wife. And we, I proposed, got married, did a lot, and spent the money there. Uh, but yeah, thanks. But, which is, I think, a better use of the money. Uh, but what I discovered was just like that, like I made money off doing like, intelligent work you know like it wasn't like a job like i went there i bought a property without no intention of making money on it and then i made some money and i was like hey i wonder if i could do that again so i got into house flipping and that turned into rentals and that's how i got wow. to do it so yeah. what year what year did you do your first fix and flip yeah so that would have been 07 so i bought it in 07 anyway so market was crashing i mean i i sold that that first house i remember sitting watching the news um as the market was just, like in that house, we had it under contract to sell, but the market was just in free fall. Like all the big companies were uh, closing all the stock or hedge funds and all. I mean, it was just a disaster of a time, uh, but we sold just in the nick of time. So I got out. And then as the market's free falling, I bought a house to flip uh, and the market just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I actually ended up owning that property for 10 years and just sold it uh, here recently. But yeah, I think it was 07 that I bought that first fix and flip. And the same time I bought a duplex and got into rentals. Cool. So how many fix and flips do you think you've 
excuse me, how many fix and flips do you think you've done over the Yeah. Years? I mean, the ones that have like bought and rehabbed and rented uh, and then bought and rehabbed and sold, uh, probably the sold ones, I've maybe done a dozen. I don't do a whole lot. I do a few a year if I'm feeling ambitious, okay. um, usually just enough to buy rentals. You know, that's kind of my plan. Yeah. Uh, and then I've bought uh, 20, 30 different deals, maybe of rentals that, and everyone I've ever bought, every rental I've ever purchased has required a rehab. Um, gotcha, so I, gotcha. I typically don't buy properties that don't require work. So let's get into the Burr strategy, right? So sure. these are your buy, fix, and rent um, rather than buy, fix, and sell. So how did you get into that? And why did you get into that? And um, and did you know or did you think of it as being a creative strategy back then? Yeah, good question. Uh, it came about as an accident, actually. You know, I told you, like, you asked when I got my first flip. It was back in 07. And I said I ended up keeping the property. So that was my first burr, and I kind of discovered it. So for those who don't know, BRRRR stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. It's basically you buy a fixer-upper, right? And then you hold on to it. You don't sell it. You go to the bank and get a nice 30-year fixed mortgage maybe. Anyway, so what I did, the reason that I figured that out is because as the market's crashing, uh, we finished the house. It was beautiful. Put it on the market and could not sell it. We tried and tried and tried. It's out of the market for months and we couldn't sell it. So uh, I was like, well, I guess I'll just go and put a renter in it. The problem was I'd used a hard money lender to buy it. And if people are familiar with hard money lenders, it's very short term. I mean, I had like a year total, I think it was, uh, to, to sell it and I couldn't do it. Uh, so then I ended up just refinancing it. So I went to a bank and I said, hey, I've got this property. It's rented. It's a really nice property. Can you guys give me a loan? And they're like, sure, no problem. So they gave me a loan. I granted, I actually had to bring in a partner because I had no income. I'd quit my job. Okay. So I brought in a partner, um, a family member, my dad. And I said, hey, dad will you just co-sign this loan essentially uh, so I can get a refinance? He's like, okay. So he did. And uh, all of a sudden that property started producing cash flow every month. I started making money. And I was like, wow, this was really cool. What a, what a neat way to buy real estate. Buy it, fix it up, and then just go to a bank and get a loan on it. And uh, then you have a fixed up property. It's already in good condition. Very few repairs. I mean, I can probably count on one hand the number of repairs I did over those 10 years uh, until the tenant trashed it, tried to burn the house down. Oh, wow. And we had to go and remodel it again, but that's a whole different story. So, so that's how I discovered Burr. Perfect. As far as doing the Burr strategy with all these houses that you've been doing, how frequently is it that you can come out with no money out of pocket? How frequently can Brandon Turner have a no money down deal? Yeah, I would say I've, probably half the time I've done it that way. Um, and some of the times I probably could fight harder. And some of the times like lately, uh, for example, I, I did a Burr on a fourplex recently and I went and I could actually appraise for like almost 200,000. Uh, and I could go and get a loan for 150 ish, which is exactly what I have into the deal. Uh, but instead, I'm only getting a loan. I'm just going to do a straight refinance and only going to leave, I think it's 102 is going to be my loan. Uh, because on that property, my goal is to pay it off. Uh, and so I'm going to pay that one off as fast as possible so it will fund my daughter's college someday. Uh, so I would say about half the time I've been able to refinance completely out and get all my money out. The other half, I usually leave a little bit in there. No, I think that's fantastic, Brandon. Um, you know, getting on bigger pockets actually kind of changed my life and listening oh, to nice. strategy. And so, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm very happy that we're meeting with you today and that you can discuss this because we have a lot of listeners and I think a lot of people could benefit from this strategy. And it's, it's funny how uh, accidents can kind of be uh, something that really worked out for both of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Burr, Burr is cool. I mean, the, the biggest danger you got to look out for, I mean, is what if you can't get that refinance? And that's where like 
I couldn't get the refinance on that first deal. So I had to bring in a partner and that, that made it happen. So it's just asking that question, how do I get it done? Uh, instead of, Oh, I can't do it. So exactly. I, I hope that the audience, uh, takes something away from that, that being able to do a little bit of, um, partnering is a fantastic creative strategy. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, yep. so we, we hear your kids in the background We we won't edit that out. I like hearing that. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so you're in Hawaii, is that right? I am. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm spending the winter here cause I'm from, you know, Western Washington where the rain starts about, I don't know, September and ends around July. <laughs> so I'm like, why would I spend the winter? You know, like the great part about real estate here, here's what I love about rental properties is like when I'm gone, like the rent still gets paid. I've got, you know, you got systems that you put in place yep. so that when you travel or when you want to spend time with your family, like the rent still gets paid, which is awesome. Well, it's a cool 35 degrees here in Colorado. So. <laughs> You're missing out, yes. Brandon. I am missing out. Right now, it has been raining an awful lot here, but right now it's blue sky and about 75. So I want to get into three of the new um, strategies that you're utilizing after the first strategy. Sure. But before we do, could you give us the very short version of how Bigger Pockets got started? Sure. Um, so bigger pockets, yeah. So bigger pockets uh, started uh, actually before me. A lot of people think that I was there at the very beginning, but it wasn't. Josh started alone in his basement, working like a hundred hours a week whenever he wasn't being a teacher, uh, just building this site. Uh, and then I joined very early on. I was one of the very first members, um, and I just I love the site. I mean, I, I I credit bigger pockets as probably the biggest reason for everything I've done since. Um, because I remember the very first time I searched Google, I, I searched Google or Dogpile or whatever the AltaVista, whatever the search was back then. And I said, what to do when tenants don't pay rent? And I found this little forum called Bigger Pockets, And I was like, oh my gosh, there's actually real life people who are doing this investing thing. And they have answers to these hard questions that everyone throws at me like, well, what are you going to do if they don't pay rent? Right. So I, I became an early member, then I became friends with Josh. Uh, and then when I was able to quit my job, I was working at a bank. I quit my job and um, ended up talking with Josh, who was you know the guy who had started it, and said, "Hey, why don't why don't I come and and help you build this thing?" And so that's how that happened. And then we we're like, "Hey, we should start a podcast, and we should you know try to grow this thing." And then it really just took off. Not that I did anything to help it take off, but just having both of us there, uh, it just kind of exploded a lot since then. So that was six years ago, I think now, almost six Absolutely. years ago. And just by what what Manny was saying earlier, I mean, we met because of Bigger Pockets. Oh, that's awesome. So many people out there met their business partners there or learned that, that one strategy that they needed there at Bigger Pockets. So. Well, yeah, and I wanted to follow up. It was, it was really funny. So side, side story, but um, me and Adam were trying to help somebody on a forum and it just happened to be that we were answering this, you know, back and forth questions. Next thing you know, one of us sent an instant message like, hey, we need to meet up. We both live in Denver. So that's awesome. Uh, definitely have uh, you to thank for that one. So. Well, that's, that's you awesome. And you and Josh. Yeah, I give all the credit to Josh. Josh uh, <laughs> Josh was a visionary. You know, like, he, I mean, he spent, like, in his basement before anybody ever believed Bigger Pockets would be a thing. Like, he just, you know, it, it, that actually brings up an interesting point. Like, what makes people successful? I think people oftentimes think that success is, like, I don't know, this moment of brilliance where, you know, Steve Jobs comes up with the iPhone or Josh invents Bigger Pockets, right? But, like, when I look at, like, why Bigger Pockets succeeded, it was because... Josh worked for years in his basement with no money coming from the site. Uh, you know, I, oh, did I lose you? Oh, there we go. Okay. So like, okay. Yeah. Like that, that's why bigger pockets succeeded is because of, because of that. Um, it's just hard work for many, many years 
yep. uh, compounds daily and compounds over time. And that's what makes people successful. I'm, I'm convinced. I love that. All right. So let's get into these other three strategies. Um, All right. To, to name them to begin, you've, you've gotten into apartment investing. Yep. You've gotten into mobile home investing. Yep. And I'm missing one. Uh, I mean, so I, I'm a big fan of house hacking. Also, I actually started house hacking. Yeah, I started. Uh, so I'll start there. House hacking is an idea where you buy like a multifamily, like a, a duplex, triplex, or fourplex. And then you live in one unit and rent the other ones out. So after I sold that very first flip, uh, I, I still didn't really know much about real estate at that time. Uh, but I was starting to fill, play around with bigger pockets and I thought, well, I'll just buy a duplex. I can live in half of it and I can live for free. And so that's what I did. And it worked out amazing. Like I was living for free, uh, which had allowed me to quit my job and, and go flipping full time. And that's how that, you know, how it enabled me to do that. So anyway, today we call that house hacking. Uh, I did that a number, a few different times actually over the years. Uh, today I now live in a normal house. I don't live in a multifamily or anything, but, uh, uh man, I love house hacking for somebody who's just getting started. Like what a fantastic way to build your career, right? Like to get started. Like if you can live for free or super cheap, you get a low down payment loan. I mean, like you're three and a half percent down and you can buy a house with an FHA loan. So anyway, that was my, that was my, uh, that was my big thing. And I still encourage people all the time. If you're looking into, if you're looking into getting started with real estate, it's a good way to start. Great. Thank you for going through how, how to do the house hacking. I think that's an amazing strategy. That, I think that, that yeah. was my second, my second deal ever was a, a triplex house hack or nice, I, I nice. an apartment hack, but yeah, yeah. Same thing. Exactly. Same thing. It's, it's okay. so, such a good way. So what was this last apartment building that you purchased? How big was it? And how sure. So, it? so I actually sold, so I'll backtrack a little bit. So I, back when I, I was flipping, buying some rentals, I bought it, you know, a duplex and a triplex and then some single family houses and a fourplex that I turned into a fiveplex. Anyway, had a bunch of these little deals come up. Uh, and then uh, I ended up buying a 24 unit apartment building. I held that for five years. Uh, and then I sold that. Um, and I just sold that this past summer. Did, did uh, like you some, own that all by yourself or with partners? That one I had a partner on. Um, and okay. so uh, this, I, I brought in my dad on that one as well. And that was a fun one. Cause I, I mean, I was 24 when I bought that 25 and I had no money. Uh, but it was a 24 unit apartment building somebody offered to me. So um, I ended up using a, a variety of creative strategies to pull that one together. Uh, everything from I used a lease option for a little while because I didn't have enough for the down payment. And then I used seller financing and the owner carried the contract, which basically is like, you know, I, I paid the owner every month instead of paying a bank. And then I, I for repairs, uh, I didn't have any money. So that's when I brought in a partner. I said, hey, if you, I told my dad, hey, if you could let me use your line of credit, he had a line of credit on his house. I'll someday give you half of this deal when it sells. And he's like, all right. And so uh, it was still my, I mean, technically it was my deal. Like it, he was never even officially on that deal at all. It was my deal. And we just had a handshake agreement. Hey, if I use your, your uh, line of credit, then someday I'll give you half the profit. So when I sold the property, um, I gave him half his profit. Uh, we each made a little over a hundred grand. Uh, then he turned around and gave it right back to me and said, okay, go invest it in the next deal. Go find somewhere <laughs> I love to that. Yeah. So I love it when investors yeah. will do that. They're like, I know. Isn't that fantastic? Give me my money. Go put it back to work. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that just because it, it should tell, you know, our listeners that, Hey, if you can think it up, I mean, you can, yep. you really want to. And um, yeah, fantastic story and congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That was well, yeah. What I, what I take out of that, when I look back, I'm like, I didn't figure that out because I read it in some book that this is what you should do. A lease option, a triple net lease option, turn that into seller financing, use a home equity on a credit with a partner. 
uh, and then refinance it later. So Burr it later, I ended up refinancing it. Like you never, you don't learn that in a book. Like you, you, yeah. you figure that out at 2 AM when you're sweating at night and you're just like, I can't figure out how to, I know I need this done. I'm going crazy figuring it out. Like, and by just continually asking that question, how do I do it? How can I do this? How can I do this? Uh, eventually your mind figures out a way. Uh, and, and that, you know, comes straight out of like rich dad, poor dad, where, you know, they say, stop saying I can't afford it. Ask, how do I afford it? Absolutely. Um, so that's a, yeah, so, that's the so kind of lesson there. Your most recent apartment building that was. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Right. So it was not, but it was also a 24 unit. So what I did is I, I sold the 24 in my local area uh-huh. because some guy just offered me, I mean, out of the blue, called me up, offered me a good price for it. And I sold it. But then all of a sudden I had like this profit that I needed to go and put into something. Uh, so what I ended up doing is taking that one 24 unit property and I bought two other ones with it. I bought a 46 unit mobile home park and then another 24 unit. So I went from 24 wow. up to 70 or whatever that is. Um, cool. And so, yeah, I, I diversified into two of those. So they all, well, the mobile home park is in Bangor, Maine, and the apartment complex is in Cincinnati, Ohio. So tell me about the mobile home park. Is it, or did you just buy the park, the land yep. only? Or uh, the goal eventually is to only own, only own the land. Cause that's like the coolest investment. Like I think, cause like if you can only own land, then the people just pay you lot rent. You don't have repairs and maintenance. And that's what really attracts me to mobile home parks. And uh, they pay the lot rent. They don't want to move because that's their home they own. They're not going to just, you know, and it's expensive to move a, a trailer house. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to love mobile home parks. Um, but when we bought that one, uh, there it's about 50-50. Half of the units are ours and mm-hmm. half of them are owned person by the owned. Yep, person owned. So what we're planning on doing is just over the next couple of years, getting rid of all that. And when I say us, I actually ended up partnering on that one a little bit as well. Uh, I brought in uh, a partner to fund part of that deal because I didn't have enough to fund the whole thing. And then I brought in another partner, uh, his name's Ryan Murdoch, to be the boots on the ground guy. I gave him a percentage just to be the guy that lives there, that can keep eye on it, can manage the rehabs, making sure that everything's getting done right. That way I can handle a property that's 7,000 miles away from me. Wow. Excellent. I yeah. think that everything that we've went over right now so far has been so creative and so impressive. <laughs> I really hope that the listeners are are getting these little tidbits from you. Like, how do you, how do you buy 70 units outside of your state? Oh, you just have boots on the ground. It's, yep, that's it's exactly like, it. Instead of saying you can't do it, how can you do it? So yep. we really, really appreciate your time. Hey, I have one more selfish thing. Sure. It's very, very selfish. I like selfish. I always think I'm a tall guy. <laughs> And I took a picture with you last one of the times you were in Denver and you sky, you make me look like a tiny, tiny guy. <laughs> so please, can you tell everybody how tall you are? Okay. I always say this. I'm, I'm, I'm borderline awkward tall. No, I'm six foot five and a half. There's like, so there's tall and then there's handsome tall and then there's awkward tall. So I'm, 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 I'm pushing on awkward tall, but yeah, six, five and a half. You, I have to get the half in there. You can't tell when you're sitting down and in the podcast. <laughs> oh, good. You go next to it and you're like, whoa. That's what I, I'll have, you know, I just did actually right before we did this call, I was doing a bigger pockets podcast call okay. with a guy named Nat Borchers, who's a uh, ex um, U.S. soccer player, like national or MLS soccer player. Uh, anyway. And he said, you know, Brendan, I never knew you were tall until Mindy, who's uh, who's co-hosting with me, told me that you were super tall. He's like, based on your voice, I thought you were like five feet 
five foot two, like a little chihuahua in a purse. He used the words chihuahua in a purse to describe me. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> but yes, I'm I'm awkward tall. Brandon Turner, here. you've added so much value to us, to our listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that uh, that you need to leave with the audience? Anything you can do to help them or any way that they can reach out to you? Um, I mean, they can reach out to me anywhere, uh, social media. I'm on uh, Instagram is my favorite at Beardy Brandon. Uh, but I'll leave people with this. Uh, something I've been, I've been so focused on the past few months, this one concept of like, if you want to achieve success in real estate, it's not about one deal. It's not about taking some big, massive action. Just like if you want to get ripped, it's not about going to the gym one time, right? It's about creating a lifestyle uh, that supports that. It means working every day on your business, even if it's just for a couple minutes. Like I'm such a big believer in this. It's that the compound effect sort of, uh, Darren Hardy wrote a book about that. Like, so stop thinking that you need to go out and put together this massive one deal or like uh, it's a one-time thing and I'm going to go work on it tomorrow or maybe next week a deal will come across my desk. It's not about that. It's about every single day for a few minutes, just move the ball down the field. Just continue uh, to work on your business and that's how you're going to see success and get to your goals. I love it. Thank you. Thanks again. So, and also, you're on Bigger Pockets, right? I am on Bigger Pockets. You can find me there. Uh, okay. You know, everywhere, pretty much on Bigger Pockets. So, yeah. all right. Thanks hit me, for your hit time. Me up. Go enjoy Maui or Honolulu or wherever you are. <laughs> I shall. I, I shall. Thank you, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Bye, Brandon. Thanks again, Brandon. Bye. Thanks. listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. If you got value out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, think outside the box.